Thank you for listening to our New Life Christian Center podcast. Stay tuned after the sermon for more ways to connect with us. Probably the most impressive thing that, that hit me was as we were, you know, you, I told you I had questions for him. And when we got up there, I knew that because of the questions you all had had mentioned to me about the ambulances the Sunday before, both Tracy and I left here with different stories about people talking about the ambulance thing. And, uh, and so we asked him the question because we serve you. And it wasn't the question I wanted to ask um, because I am like you. I'd like to serve myself every once in a while. And, and so anyway, uh, I want you to, to, to kind of follow that, that lead. But here's, here's the thing that Tracy maybe just, here's, here's my language. When Franklin began to talk about what he believed God was showing him about Israel, he leaned over and leaned into us like we were his friends. And he told something that, that I don't know who else he's telling it to, but I'm sure that he stepped further, potentially, um, than, than what he would have done had we not asked your question. My point is that when you are connected with God, God will send people you're connected to to get the answers that you desire in your heart. And so it's really important that you recognize this little nuance of what God does because he will give you answers that you don't really have questions for yet. He'll just say, hey, this is how this works. Today is one of those days where I'm going to try biblically to show you how something works. Um, so in, in, in my history as a pastor, um, God has, has done this regularly. And, and each time I've felt compelled to explain to you before it happens this doesn't come out of this idea of here's what pastors do. This comes out of the idea of, of here's what foundational leaders do. There are two kinds of foundational leaders in the Bible. In the book of Ephesians, it says the church is founded on, on the apostles and the prophets. Now, you can interpret that however you want. The, the, the principle is that there are foundational leadership type gifts that God gives. And I feel compelled to explain that to you so that you will examine your foundation of Jesus Christ. Because none of this stuff exists outside of the person and power and gift that Jesus is to us. And so it, you can sit there and go, I've never heard that before. It's entirely possible that some of you haven't heard it before. Remember, it's a nuance about understanding the foundation of Jesus Christ. It will help you understand how things work in a spiritual economy. And so that's what we're going to try and talk about. I, I, I had a conversation with Tracy last week leaving and she, she had her phone out and she was, you know, bringing this stuff up. And she said, now you said this, but you said it so fast I didn't get it. So I apologize to all of you who are only partly getting this um, because sometimes it's just really hard to tap the brakes. And I'm, I'm trying to do that. Um, and I want you to get this so desperately. I want you to understand this like you've not understood it ever before in your life. And so if you would please turn to the book of Hebrews. Sorry, Jeremy, this is not in the notes or whoever's using those notes. Um, we're going we're gonna to start um, probably we're going. Do you know what, Jeremy? I'll tell you when I'm going to start. How that be? Oh, it's not Jeremy. Hey, Paul. Good luck, buddy. <laughs> Man, I love God. Here you go. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, please. 
verse number 12. Find it. Now, this is one of those services where you need to get your eyes on the Bible. And, and if you've got a Bible in your hand or, or an electronic device and you know how to highlight, you probably ought to do this. You need to go back to this. You need to chew on this for a little bit. But notice what it says in verse number 12. And I'll try to keep my editorials to a minimum, but good luck. Verse 12, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit and joints and marrows, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Here's the editorial part. The word of God is the person of Jesus. Jesus was sent into your life to be a sharp sword separating between soul and spirit. Your soul, will, intellect, emotions, those kinds of things, has a tendency to seek out after the things that make sense to you or that feel good to you. That's how your soul is kind of wired. But he says it's going to separate that down in joints and marrow. Now remember... He's talking in terms that probably people understood. If you've ever had joint pain, you know about your joints, right? They hurt in a particular way. If you've ever had a, maybe you've never had anybody test your bone marrow, but let me just help you with that. They deaden your leg, drill a hole in your bone and suck out the stuff that makes blood. It is not a comfortable procedure. The point is that there is a difference between what joints do and what marrow does. Joints add to the support of being able to move. Marrow gives you the strength to move. There's a subtle nuance of differences there. Notice what else it says in the 12th verse. It says, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Listen to me. The Word of God is to help you with your discerning of the heart of God. You don't need to know your heart. You're dumb as a pile of rocks. You need to know God's heart. See, people say, oh, it helps me with my heart. Listen, your heart is deceitfully wicked above all else, according to Jeremiah. There are places where you just need to realize that the heart of your soul and spirit are different. You all know you have three of those, right? You have a fleshly heart. You have a blood-pumping muscle. Just put your hand wherever you can feel your heart. Put it up there and and just, just take a breath for a second. And what you will feel is your heart pumping. When you say, I love you with all my heart, you do not love somebody with your blood pumping muscle. There is something different to that. And by the way, you understand your heart, the heart of your soul, because it's the one that argues with God. You do not need to discern your human heart. You need to discern the thoughts and intentions of God's heart. That's the nuance. Come on now. Stay with me here because we're all going, Oh yes, help me God with my heart. Your soulish heart is supposed to be transformed or literally die to the self and come alive to the living Word of God in, in, in your spirit man. You're supposed to be following the heart of your... When people say, live by your heart. That's the dumbest advice I've ever heard. My heart goes into a... 7-Eleven or a quick stop and wants to buy all the goofy looking 
cakes and stuff there, and I know by experience that they're not good. I buy them anyway, most of the time. And I slam one of them down. You know one of those greasy, waxy things with, with the, the frosting and the, and the white stuff that never decays in the middle of the sponge cake? Right? And I get down, like I did this in Fort Morgan recently, and I got across and underneath the viaduct so I could get up on the, get back up on the interstate so I could catch all the people that passed me because it was a race. And I got about halfway up there, and please forgive me for littering, but they were so bad that after the first one, I threw the two out the window. See, stupid will always cost you. Amen. You'll have to forgive me. I'm trying hard not to say things that pointed. I really am trying hard. And then all of a sudden, I hear myself say things that could be offensive to you. I'm not trying to be offensive to you. There's a real directness to what God has given me today. And I want you to get it so bad. And, and I, don't think it, I don't think my love for you is coming across as well as I would like it to um, when I call you foolish. And as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, um, notice that it is appropriate for us to at least ask the question biblically about the thoughts and the intents of God's heart. So the message today um, is entitled something, uh, Biblical Boundaries, Understanding the Way and Intent of God. From this verse, we get the question, wait, God has thoughts and intentions? Yeah, did you know that the scripture that you like probably as good as any scripture in the Bible is all about the thoughts and intents of God? How many of you have Jeremiah 29, 11 memorized? I know the thoughts. God is telling us that he knows the thought he has to them. A thought of what? To prosper you. God is thinking... His intent is to prosper you. How many of you know what John 14, 6 says? I am the way and the truth. It gives a very specific, definitive article. I am the one and only way. God's ways are not negotiable. But His intents have to be discovered so you can cooperate with them. When God said that in, 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 in uh, Jeremiah 29 11, He said that to a group of people that He'd sent a nation. He said that to the children of Israel who He'd sent a nation to bring captive for 70 years. And He's telling them at the end of the 70 years, I'm going to tell you what I'm thinking now is going to come to pass. He says, I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to give you a future. And I'm going to give you hope. God thinks towards you thoughts. That need to be cooperated with. They're not automatic. Put up the, 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 the first quote, would you please, Paul? His ways automatically live in your reborn spirit. You have no other choice to the Father. Uh, 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 what's the scripture I put with that? Do you, do you see it there? Maybe I should read my notes. Keep that up there, brother. I'll read my notes. 
John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The way to the Father, the one and only way to the Father is Jesus. The one and only way to truth is Jesus. It's not negotiable. There are no nuances, no turning, no shadows. This is it. You cannot get faith, biblical faith, outside of the Word of God. You can't. It's not possible. This is His way. His way, using our... I had lots of people thank me for my puzzle uh, analogy last week. His ways are the boundary of the puzzle. There is no other way to live life other than through the boundaries that He gives us. Way, life, um, um, uh, whatever the other one was. What? Truth. Thank you. Some of you paying attention. Whenever I need your help to preach, just shout her out. The way, the truth, and the life. There's no other boundaries to spiritual living than those three things. Okay? You, you, as much as we want you to come to church, coming to church is not a boundary, it's an intent. He says to you, do not forsake. Why? Because God is thinking about joining with you in church. This is His house. He comes two or more gathered together. Listen, you only need two faithful people in your group. And God is there. And that's why you're never the smartest person in the room. We act like we're the smartest person in the room by saying what our intents are in a room full of people who want to follow God. You don't need to be really acquainted with what you want. It'll come out of you naturally. You need to be more acquainted with the heart of God. And the Word of God will give you the ability to discern. The th- you do not need to discern your own thoughts. Where are the Wade boys at? There they are back there. I caught them two or three weeks ago at the, at the front door. And I stopped the, the, the oldest one. What's your name again, son? I'm sorry. What? Okay, Raylan, here we go. And I stopped him at the door. And I said, you need to understand something. I know that you did that to your hair on purpose. (laughs) He has the cutest hair that looks like, I mean, it's clean and, and, and it's not combed on purpose. And that's who he is. Now, see, I'm not trying, I'm not making fun of him. He did that on purpose. His intent. When you get his... What grade are you in, Raylan? Seventh. When we get the yearbook of that year with him in seventh grade, when you're my age, you're going to look at that and go, Dear God, what was I thinking there? <laughs> right? Come on, how many of you old people have ever looked at your, at your annual and, and said, What was I thinking there? Right? So my point is... That we don't need to discern our intents. We do our intent. We talk from our... How many ever made somebody mad? They told you they were mad and you said, I didn't intend to make you mad. You don't need to discern your intent. You are intimately acquainted with your intent. Do you understand how you've potentially misinterpreted Hebrews chapter 4 by, by making it about you? He wants you to be able to discern the thoughts and intents of the Father's heart. 
Okay. Can you partially agree with me so far? Does it make sense? Because see, I'm, 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 I'm teaching you this because the heart of God will always lead you to live your life by the boundaries of God. So your little part of the puzzle over here is made up because it's the part that came out of the box without being broken apart. So you made sure and you saved that part, right? If you've ever done jigsaw puzzles, you dump it out carefully because there's some pieces that are hooked together. And they're like gifts from God, right? Because you don't have to find those hundred pieces. They're already hooked together. And so I open puzzles very, very carefully because I want the parts that are put together. It makes the puzzle easier. Can you say amen? makes the puzzle easier. When you get the parts that God's already put together. But now we need to discern the thoughts and intents because the thoughts and intents lead us to the boundaries of God that we live by. Okay. If Jesus is the way and his way includes things that you don't yet know, understand, or believe, God will build a bridge from where you are today by his thoughts and intents for you. Because of who you are. He'll build that. And he wants you to discover it so you can cooperate with it. I spent the early part of my life worshiping basketball. Then I got into business and I worshiped money. And right now I have to really Guard myself because I know that what I have in my heart, my heart, my thoughts, my intents, is not what God wants me to have. Because I can be greedy. So I can look at stuff and go, praise God, I can figure out how to do that. But see, that's how I was before I was a Christian. I didn't need God's help. I didn't understand he wasn't trying to get me to be greedy. I got saved in the prosperity movement. And I heard them say out loud, God will help you with your money. And I said, I'm in. Because I was only doing as good as I could do with my money. And I thought, if God can help, let's join up. Because obviously God wants to bless me. There's just a level of ignorance inside your own intent. Right? Listen, when you pray, after you're done, ask yourself this question. Who gets blessed if all my prayers are answered other than me? Who gets blessed if all my prayers are answered other than me? If your prayers are self-centered and self-serving, you have not discerned the heart of God. Second um, Corinthians. I don't know whether these are in there, Paul. I'm sorry, kind of. Look at this. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Huh? It is? Way to go! <laughs> All right! <laughs> you understand the nuance I'm trying to give you here. I'm trying to get you to quit, wor you know, First John says, if your heart condemns you, don't worry. God's bigger than your heart. Why would he have to tell you that? Because we are so geared to work through our own human heart. Look what he said here. This is 2 Corinthians 9, 
Verse 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Listen to me. How you purpose in your heart affects how you cooperate with God's heart. If you understand his purposes for you, you'll take the limits off of sowing sparingly. Because you realize that his intent is to give you more than you could ever ask for. Think of New American Standard, Ephesians 3.20 says, or even dare to ask. It's out there, man. And he says, not grudgingly. You see why that, that you want to find the heart of God for this? Because the Bible says in John chapter 3.16, God so loved that he gave. It's one of the natures of God. It's one of the intents. Giving comes from a heart of love. Not grudgingly or of necessity. Don't be moved by necessity. Oh, we're going to, this faith ministry is going to close. Let it. For God loves a cheerful giver. Here's the thing. God intends for you to be cheerful. The word there actually could be translated hilarity or hilariously. He wants you to be hilarious in your giving. Now you say, well, I can't do that. See, you've already talked about your own heart. You're not giving away your own stuff. You're giving away what God does. And his intent is to get it to you and to test you whether he can get it through you. Because if he can get it through you, he'll get more of it to you. That's his thought. See, you think you're doing your fair share by just doing what his word says. Well, pastor, you know I'm a tither. Well, congratulations. Well, let me ask you this question. Here's a new revelation that's going to be in this thing. How many ever studied very hard on the first fruits offering? Because I have. It'll spin your brain. It is the, it is the producer, in, in my estimation, it is the producer of the revelation I've been teaching for the last year and a half. It's, it's just absolutely spun my world. Because I found God's heart in that one little area. Um. Verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you. You who? The hilarity giver. His intent is to have all grace abound to you. He wants grace to abound to you because of the hilarity of your giving. That's his intent. Just think how much of a party God pitches when you join his heart over giving. Because you just did that. You just did that in the, at the, the last week of October. You did that. You hooked your heart up. You say, how do, how do I know you did that? Because we've never taken up a singularly focused offering anywhere close to what that offering was. Never. And I've never stood with a group of leaders any more committed to take that gift that you gave Add to it in a significant way and send it with that same cheerful hilarity giving going, man, oh man, is this awesome. And what happened? God made all grace abound. If you were to look at the finances of this church after a significant gift like that, you would ask yourself the question, how do you have any money? And if you studied long enough, you would say, how does God keep giving it back to you? 
because he manifests. We don't deserve it. It's grace. He causes, do you see it? All grace to abound to you. That you, now here you go. Here, all you people who are just praying for your need. Listen, here's the intent of God. Um, this is still in verse number eight. After uh, God's grace abounds to you. That you having all, always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. His intent is to fill you to such a degree that you always, everybody say always, have more than you need. Listen, if you have more than you need, you can give when somebody mentions something to you. If you don't have as much as you need, it's really hard to give. Verse 10, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food... Supply and multiply the seed you've sown. Look at this. And increase the fruits of your righteousness. God's intent through this, showing these things, is to increase the fruits of righteousness. And you have none without His. So what did He just promise? He promised He would increase your representation of who He is. Why was Franklin Graham able to whisper to us that he believed... This would open a door in Israel that's never been opened before. How dare he think so arrogantly about something that he does? First of all, he didn't do it. Second of all, it's not arrogance. It's the intent of God. Verse 11. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Um, I don't know whether you're recognizing this or not, but it's God's intent for you to live a thankful life. Yeah, we'll just stop right there on that one. No, probably not. If you're not thankful, it's because you haven't found his heart. If you find his heart, he'll turn your complaining into joy. Okay, I thought you'd like that one. If you found his heart, the reflection of that, the outpouring of righteousness, the multiplication of righteousness is thanksgiving. So if you're having troubles being thankful, start at the beginning again. You probably sowed sparingly. You probably did it out of compulsion or necessity. You probably whined all the way through it. And you never entered into a, cheer, a cheerful giver. And all grace has never abounded to you. And you've never had all sufficiency in all things. It just looks like that's what the Bible says. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Isaiah chapter 55. Here's, here's the, the basis for me, for me teaching this. Ways and intents. I've talked just by inspiration of the Lord. I've talked for the last 15 or so minutes or however long it's been. Talking about trying to get you to understand the intents. To see this, this subtle uh, difference between what you thought the scripture said and what it's possible that it said. And again, Hebrews 4.12, we've, we've all probably read that a time or two. And we've seen how powerful the word of God is. But we've neglected to see that we don't need to discern our own thoughts and intentions. We already know them. 
We all already know that left to our own intentions, we will make decisions that do not align themselves with the person of Jesus Christ. Okay? And so we know that. We don't, we don't need help necessarily in that. What we need is help understanding or literally discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart of God Himself towards us. Does that make sense? We okay? Because last week I heard some of you and you said, I said, are you learning? Do you understand something? And some of you said, kind of. Chapter 55, verse number 1. It says, Ho, <laughs> God was a rap star. Ho! Everyone who thirsts comes to, to the waters and you who have no money. Come buy and eat. Notice he's telling you that there's an economy that functions outside of your understanding of earthly wealth. Do you see it? You have no money. Listen, if you've ever been poor, this is your scripture. He says, come and buy. Why? Because it's, 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 it's his intent to give you what you don't have. He says, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Notice he says that when you don't have any of these things, he offers them to you for free. Does that sound like God? His intent, right, is that he paid for everything that you need through the person and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Are we still together? Okay. Verse 2, why do you spend money for what is not bread? Uh Uh-oh. You know what he just said with this? He said, "Um, you've created the problem that you're whining to me about. Yeehaw. And your wages for what does not satisfy. How many ever done that? Bought something you thought would really trip the trigger for you, man. This is great. This is a thing I want and all that kind of stuff. And you just go out and buy that thing. and It does not satisfy like you'd like it to. Yep, we are our own worst enemy sometimes. Now look what he said, verse 2, be an underliner. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. His intent is to satisfy you with what he provides, called goodness. His intent is to satisfy, Romans, um, um, maybe... One for, um, it's the fourth verse. I don't know what chapter it is. I can't see it right now. It says, it's the goodness of God that leads men to to repentance. He says here, listen carefully to me and eat what is good. His goodness provides for our satisfaction by who he is. His goodness provides for our satisfaction because of who he is or by who he is. Keep reading. And let your soul delight itself in abundance. Now notice that he gives you an implied subject here. You allow this to happen. God always thinks about you in abundance. God always thinks about you in abundance. You say, no, pastor, you don't understand. I have to think about me in abundance. No, you can never do that through your own strength. 
You can't work hard enough. You can't get enough jobs to have the abundance that God thinks about providing for you in every case. If I have to remind you of that, just go back to Jeremiah 29 and 11 when they were in captivity and waiting 70 years for the promise of God to be fulfilled. He said, listen, you'll come out of this slavery, out of this bondage into the greatest prosperity, future and hope that you've ever seen. How can God say those things unless he thinks about those things towards us. So you have to let your soul delight in itself in abundance. Now notice that he's asking your heart to delight in something your flesh wants to recognize. Your flesh has a definition for abundance. God has a different definition for abundance and your soul unrenewed wants to delight itself in what your flesh can recognize can re- what your flesh can recognize as abundance track with me when you work towards what your flesh can think of, it will always be less than what God has already thought towards you. Does that make sense? But yet what we do is we say, well, boy, if I just had a million dollars, if you can't handle the five dollars that comes from the 50 you make, he's not giving you a million. If you can't come and handle the 50 dollars that comes from the 500 dollars, Right? Just asking you to just be legalistic and give a tithe of the money that you have. Then you can't handle the $5,000 because it requires of you to handle His abundance right by giving to His intent. So $500 on $5,000. $5,000 on $50,000. $50,000 on $500,000. Are you with me? See, if you understand that, you'll handle the abundance correctly. And again, I'm not trying to, I'm, I don't want this to sound arrogant at all, but, but, but your elders gave away every bit of the abundance that we had for this calendar year in the month of October. You say, why would you do that? Well, first of all, because we felt like God told us to. And second of all, it was a hilariously good time. They just look at that going, we've never done anything like this before. And this is just the beginning. What if, it's just zeros. Come on. Can you give 20? Put a zero. Can you give 200? Almost everybody thinks, well, oh dear God, I don't know if I could do that. Well, could you give 2,000? Here, I'll help you. All you retired people, I don't take Medicare or what is it they, when they give you the money. Social Security. Okay, thank you. Some of you know what that is, so here you go. You're getting an 8% increase this coming year. I think it happens in the calendar year, either in, in, on the first... No, you get paid in arrears. So on the, the, between the 3rd and the 10th of February, when your January te- uh, check comes from Social Security, it will include the 8% increase. I'm going to help you. Give the whole increase away the first month you receive it. Okay? If you get, get $2,000 in Social Security money, you get an 8% increase, you get 160 extra bucks. I'm encouraging you to give the whole 160 away. 
You say, well, but I'm living on a fixed income. Your problem is not that you're living on a fixed income. Your problem is that you fixed your income. You think that's all you get. Man, that'll preach. Oh, my. Why? Because he says, when you give first fruits, right, of your increase, of your increase, of your increase, you were living without it, and you got an increase. The first fruit of that, give the first month of that increase away. Why? Because God will then, by His intent, turn these spiritual principles loose in your life. Oh, man. And, and I just, I'll just tell you from experience, it's way awesome. Skip down to, see, I really just wanted to teach you, and now see we're out of time, so I guess we have to go home. Skip down to verse 8. There's so much. Well, and you know what? We'll just preach this again next week. Verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. Notice he says, let the wicked forsake his way. It's your way, it's not his. And the unrighteous man, his what? Thoughts. Now, if he stops there, we got a problem, but he doesn't. Because he says in verse number 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Why would you forsake your thoughts? Because he's trying to give you his. See why the intents of God, the intent of God is so important? Some of your best thinking should be done by God. See, when it's done by you, it's well short of what God's intent is. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways. Notice that he says he has ways and thoughts. Verse number 9. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. We all know that one, but look at this. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Whose thoughts do you want? If you'll adjust to the thoughts and intents of the Father, if you'll discern through the Word of God the thoughts and intents of the Father, you'll understand the Father's heart. And He will wreck your personal world. I mean, it'll, it'll, it'll spin your head and it won't even make sense. And you'll go, isn't this fun? Why? Because you see, it, it brings you to the opportunity to... How many of you have ever watched Funniest Home Videos? The funniest ones are when somebody's trying really hard and then does something really dumb. Right? I mean, they're walking and doing something. The one I'm thinking of is, is the guy that, whose swimming pool is partially frozen in the backyard. And so he decides that he's going to jump off the springboard through that. And the ice is too solid and he just lands there in a kaflump. Can I point out to you that that wasn't God's thought for him? But humans see those kinds of things and what do they do? See, I just told you the story and you laughed. See how your person... How the, how the soul of your personality is willing to laugh at hilarity. Ain't none of you laughing over your giving. And this is not a commercial to get you to give more. This is for you. This is for you. When you can laugh at the hilarity of God going, dear me, I can't even believe God did this. 
You're just now getting into the understanding of the impossible assignment that God always shows up in the middle of. Throughout the Bible, I told this in Sunday school. Some of you need to be in Sunday school, man. It's a rich time. But God always shows up based on an impossible assignment being received. Always. Verse number 10. As the rain comes down, and see, so now he's going to give you this explanation, right, that, that shows you how the thoughts and the ways of God work together. For as the rain comes down from, and snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Notice the provision inside of his ways and his thoughts. So shall my word be that goes forth in my mouth. It shall not return to me void. It shall accomplish... What I please, it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Notice in this passage, it tells you what God says is going to happen by his word being poured out. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to, discern, able to separate between the thoughts and intentions, bones and marrows, and discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I think that's talking about God's heart. The word of God is, is sent to you. So that you can understand the heart of God. That's his intent. I was going to teach this probably different today. We'll, we'll, I'll, I'll diagnose the, the, the notes. There were some great quotes in what God gave me. But he changed me in the, in, in, in the back today. And so we'll, we'll pick and choose some of this. But how many of you understand that the way of God is or are the ways of God or the way of God is the boundary to your puzzle pieces? It's the, it's, the, it's the flat pieces on the outside. And it basically says, this is always the way this picture is going to be painted. The parts that come already put together is your life. God puts you together in a particular way. But the bridge that he builds to his ways is his thinking and his intent towards you, which show you that because of who God made you to be, he thinks about you in a particular way and causes you to discover his intent for you. See, we don't all have the same intent, even though we serve the same God. All of you aren't jockeying for a position to preach in this church or to be the pastor of this church. Because he gave me a specific wiring and did circumstantial alignment in many people's hearts to get me here for such a time as this. That's intent. See, that's not God's will. It's not, it's not the boundary. It's not his ways. It doesn't happen to everybody. It happens based on who God made you to be and your willingness to discover how he thinks about you. Now, not just random wild-eyed stuff. Well, I don't know, but I'm sure God wants to do lots of things in my life, so I'm just going to do that. No, I'm talking about specific things. Specific things. I've cried out for years. God, connect me with people who are doing things so significant that I can't even get my mind around it. So, 2000, whatever that was, based on a prophecy that was delivered in 1999, God connected my heart through a set of circumstances with Karis Bible School to the point that I was invited to teach there. I don't belong teaching there. There are so many people that are smarter than me and do, you know, I'd drive up there and they'd pay me. I was great. You know, we loved it. But God put me in a room with people whose purposes were so much bigger than what I could get my mind around. Well, now I experienced it. I've watched Andrew Womack raise 
hundreds of millions of dollars. And man, he is a redneck. I mean, he, well, you know, this is just what God said to me. I mean, he's got the same angry voice as he's got his excited voice. He never changes, made it like this. I also learned that he never knows what he's going to preach until he gets on stage. How do you trust God like that? I also know that he will sit down and do his television program sometimes 10, 12, 15, 20 recordings in a single day. How do you turn that switch on? I asked Troy when we were with Franklin. I said, does Franklin ever turn that switch off? Because he's being just gracious, you know, to everybody. He's shaking their hand. He's leaning into the conversation. He's engaging with them. He actually acts like he likes it. And here's what Troy said to me. He says, that's not a switch. This energizes him. I went, how does he do that? If you can't find the heart of God, you won't find God's heart for others. Man, will that preach. If you can't find the heart of God, you won't find the heart for others. I want that heart for others. Just, I, I want it. It's, it's a desperation in me. Because I don't want anybody not to notice that Jesus' purpose and what he's called us to do is first and foremost. It just shows. And that little girl in the, in the apples, we were in an apple store. Drinking the Kool-Aid. Probably just for that little girl. See, you might have thought we went there to get a gift. No, we bought the gift. We went there for the girl. Because we understood the heart of God. I mean, I do now. I didn't then. I just knew we were supposed to stay. Tracy's saying, come on, let's get out of here. We can, when we could, we could, we could buy that. We drove, the, where we met with Franklin was clear down South Denver. So we drove over to whatever that, whatever that shopping center is over there. Park Meadows, because they have an Apple store, because we intended to buy something. See, our intent took us to a place so that we could join our heart with God's intent. See that? Stand with me, would you please? I always wait for Crystal to leave the sanctuary, because then I know, come on music team, I know that it's about time to, 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 to stop, because she's, she's, she gets out there and she sneaks around back here, because she wants to be ready to go when it's time to go, and I'm thinking it must be time to go, because Crystal moved. <laughs> Hallelujah. Did you get the nuance? Did you understand the picture of what God's trying to do in your hearts? He's trying to get you through the word of God to separate these ways and intents. He wants you to discover the intent that God has towards you. He wants you to find his heart for you. And then cooperate with how his heart works. Because that's where success is. That's where, that's where significance is is where God's heart works. That's the only place in ministry that requires nothing from you. Amen. Father, thank you for this day, for this time. Help us, Father, to process, to see the difference between the ways and intents of God, to help us, Father God, to understand how your word is being poured out so that we might separate, we might discern, we might figure out the heart of God. Oh, we thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thank you for listening. To subscribe to our podcast, search New Life Eckley in all of the major podcasting apps. Audio and video of our sermons are posted at newlifeeckley.com slash live, and you can watch Sermon Slices weekdays on social media. Search at New Life Eckley. Our main service is at 10 a.m. Mountain Time every Sunday. Thanks for listening.